Welcome into the Fight HQ podcast as we're here to break down UFC 290 goes down tomorrow there in Las Vegas. We've got two title fights, plus we've got some high prospects, Bo Nickel, Jack Della, Madalena. We're here to break it down for you. As always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, where you're watching us live here on YouTube. Maybe watch us after the fact or listening to us on podcast platforms. We truly do appreciate it. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, be sure to do that. Hit that thumbs up button and uh, let your friends know about what we got going on over here. Of course, as always, I'm joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Good afternoon, Pete. How's it going, man? Good afternoon, Jason. What's going on? We have a, a really good card. I'm looking forward to it from top to bottom, uh, especially just the, the main card is um, pretty intriguing. So excited to break it down with you, see where you lie on some of these fights. Yeah, man, this is this is going to be an interesting one to break down because there's a lot of fights that I want to prioritize this week. Of course, we do have our contest over on DraftKings. The link is in the description below. Congratulations to Sledge Daddy taking it down last week. I did see Pete, you, you were you were you were somewhere. You, I think we like you were seventh, something like that. It's about time I'm I'm closer closer to the top. I, I've been god awful in our contest, but you know every single week it's just been fun to to see the community go out there and try to give it a go with their single entry lineup. And uh, it was a weird week, right? Like last week was super strange. A lot of weird things happen. And every time you have upsets and volatile matchups, um, that's going to happen. It's going to be more of a GPP type of card than a single entry type of card. But uh, that's when losing fighters still making into the optimal lineup or uh, a part of the, the winning lineups, uh, a part of our contest. So I'm hoping less volatility, this fight card. And uh, that's probably the case given the, extremely lopsided matchups that we do have in some of these fights of course uh, we got our discord channel totally free to join I mean, if you want to ask a question you can go in there or if you want to leave us a super chat we'll get to all those super chats uh throughout the show of course as always we appreciate your support now uh this is where we like kind of talk about game theory we got 14 fights here pete and the first thing i have here on my list is fights fights to prioritize for gpp i've got five fights and I, I'm not sure how I'm going to create a group in terms of these five fights, but to me, the five fights that I am going to prioritize are the main event, co-main event, Jalen Turner, Dan Hooker, Nico Price, Robbie Lawler, Jimmy Crute, Alonzo Minifield. Yeah, I'm with you with four of those. I, I don't know if the um, Robbie Lawler, Nico Price one falls into it. It does seem like you have two violent guys, you know, going into a very dangerous fight in the welterweight division, but... Um, the other four you mentioned are prioritized fights, a part of my lineup construction. The the main event, co-main event makes a ton of sense. Turner Hook, Hooker, just given the violence of both guys and where Hooker's at within his career right now and how Turner's looking to be next level, I agree with that. Um, and then, of course, the 8,200, 8,000 fights going to be difficult to get away from week in and week out. Never mind a, a fight that these guys have already been in with each other where Jimmy Crew in a draw scored 62 and we had Alonzo Menafield in a draw scoring 58. So I'm expecting fireworks once again, whether it's one way traffic, uh, I, I'm not sure, but you know, regardless of it being one way traffic or not, um, that that's a fight I'm going to be prioritizing for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things of just, I don't feel comfortable on either side because yeah. what we saw what happened in the first fight, obviously we'll talk more about this when we break it down, but this, that to me is just a fight that, how, how do you see it going? Do, do you think Jimmy Cruz can be able to get those takedowns or Alonzo Minifield, you know, be able to keep this fight on the feed and potentially knock him out. But uh, man, there's 14 fight car. When I was hand building the line for our fight HQ contest, I will tell you, I was, when I got to 
player five and six, that's where it became really tough for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a really intriguing card because we have so many appealing 9,000 options, and it's given the the ridiculous odds. Bo Nickel approaching a minus 3,000, the one favorite. It's ridiculous. Um, JDM, short-notice opponent, and similar to Bo Nickel, going to be you know over minus 1,000. Tatsu or Tyra, um, short-notice opponent, minus 1,000. So, And then you even still have minus 500, minus 400, minus 400, minus 400. It's ridiculous. So it's loaded at the top this week, um, and I do think it's uh, it's going to be tough to create lineups uh, with saving so much salary. You know what I mean? Because just there's just so many appealing nine thousand options. I want to get to them. Imagine if you faded most, if not all, the nine thousand options. It really set yourself up for success. Uh, that'd be an extremely contrarian, uh, contrarian build. But I really don't recommend doing so on a week like this. Oh, I mean, your contrarian build, to me, I think first off starts off with getting away from the main event, co-main event, if you want to be have a very contrarian build. But the problem is, like, I could see Volk going out there and getting 130, 140 points based mm-hmm. on being able to mix up striking and, and grappling. But, I mean, that's – but, you know, like, I didn't even put Bo Nickel or Jack Dell Madalena. And I think a point to bring up in, in terms of those two guys and replacement opponents, these are the type of fights that the UFC is going to put together. Uh, I know Kyle Barallo, he was trying to get the matchup uh, against uh, Jack Dell Madalena. Chris Curtis was trying to get the fight as well. But, uh, you know, usually that comes with – those guys looking for a big payday. Um, that's where you get these these up and coming guys and and their chance to get in there because you know you know that yes you're going to step up on on short notice but you're going to be able to come in and and get another fight in that situation. But uh, let's get right into breaking down these fights. Of course, main event is a unification matchup in the featherweight division. Alexander Volkanovsky, the champion, taking on the interim champion Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez is a plus two ninety betting underdog, minus three seventy for Volk. Volk is ninety two hundred on DK, twenty dollars on Fanduel. Yair seven thousand on DK, thirteen dollars on Fanduel. Pete. I love this fight, right? Like it's a an extremely interesting fight within the featherweight division. Yair Rodriguez has proven to be um, dangerous within the division. He kicks like nobody in the sport right now, uh, especially in the UFC. And his volume striking from the outside at distance because of his long legs sets him up for um, you know high high scoring bouts. Uh, in addition to that, it frustrates his opposition because they can't really get inside. On the outside, I think Yair Rodriguez can beat most people. Um, it's just if he allows his opponents to get inside that kicking range, I do think he's more human. Um, and that's where Alex Volkanovsky can really thrive, get past the kicks, get past that range, step inside a little bit, turn this not necessarily into a phone booth fight, but get inside boxing range, um, let those hands fly. He has a great inside leg kick, so I do think that he can disrupt the rhythm of Yair Rodriguez. The price of 7000 is extremely favorable if you think that he can go 25 minutes. In addition to that, whether he wins or loses, I, I think it's fine at 7,000. Um, but on a week like this when we have so many fighters and it's going to be a high-scoring uh, optimal, in my opinion, I do think that we need all winners. I don't foresee Yair Rodriguez winning the fight, but a stack could work potentially. I'm just going to stack in very, very small amount of lineups um, just given the violence of both guys. Yair Rodriguez is looking to be incredible but i still have these memories of yari rodriguez getting taken down and just elbowed into oblivion and that's kind of what i foresee happening here against alex volkanovsky i think volkanovsky will hurt him on the feet 
Um, you know, we did see the Korean zombie have success against Gary Rodriguez up until that last second, beautiful, um, that, that beautiful elbow knockout from, you know, that, that was just a complete Hail Mary shot against the Korean zombie in round five. Uh, but I do think it's a high volume fight. I favor Alex Volkanovsky heavily, uh, the takedowns, just the entire MMA body of work, I think will be too much. Do I like the fact that he's just coming off of, you know, experimenting at lightweight? Not necessarily. The weight cut could possibly diminish his skills a little bit, um, but it's Alex Volkanovsky. We're talking about one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the sport, if not the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. So, yeah, 9,200. I think he's probably the safest 9,000 option out there as far as getting you 100 points. Uh, Does he have the most upside? I would say yes because the five rounds to play with his food and just rack up a ton of a ton of points, a ton of takedowns, whatever. Yair, Yair is going to be ready and prepared, which could really boost the totals of Volkanovski. So, yeah, I'm going to be siding with Volkanovski heavily here at 9,200. I like him a lot, and I'll be prioritizing this matchup one way or another. And I don't blame anybody if their mindset is to stack this fight, um, whether you're talking about GPP or cash. I mean, obviously, I think you need a 25-minute fight, and I think you need to have Volk be able to go out there and get takedowns. That, to me, is the X factor in this matchup. And, you know, and to me, it becomes of what is the, what is the range that Yair can keep this fight at? I mean, you can talk about this because this is your game of, you know, that, that kickboxing range and being able to throw those unorthodox strikes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... It's all about the distance management of Alex Volkanovsky. Certain fighters will be okay with accepting uh, being on the outside, and then it, they, they don't really adjust. The thing with you know pound-for-pound pound fighters, best pound-for-pound pound fighters out there, is they're going to make on-the-fly adjustments, and that's where Alex Volkanovsky is going to thrive. He's probably going to get picked apart on the feet at distance for a little bit, and then you're going to see him make an adjustment in the game and see what starts to work. And then he's going to get inside of those kicks at range. Obviously the longer legs of Yaya Rodriguez, they're going to come into play and he has to be very, very careful of the flying knees, the flying kicks, the head kicks, the body kicks and the flying knees up the middle for a shorter Alex Volkanovsky are going to be, uh, you know, very, very dangerous. And he has to be very careful and mindful of those. So um, I, I just think that Alex Volkanovsky is just such a smart fighter and that he's going to have a game plan for Yair Rodriguez. But if you told me that Yair head kick knocks him out, there's nobody out there that has better head kicks inside the featherweight Mm -hmm. division. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of cash, Ayer will be a, a core play for me just because I do think that this fight's going to hit the fourth or fifth round. And, and I like what that, you know, that 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 floor could be for him in, in terms of also being able to get through some of these. I mean, we mentioned we have eight, nine K options this week. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see once the fights are over, you know, how many of those fighters do get into the optimal line. By the way, a uh, little note, Jalen Turner has missed weight. He's missed weight by two pounds. And the UFC has already come out and said that he is not going to attempt to cut any more weight. I mean, I mean, look, Jalen Turner is a massive dude at 155 pounds. I mean, dude is, you know, but he's what, but he's one of those guys that he's stuck in between two weight classes. Yeah. If, if there was a, a 165 weight class, he would be perfect for that weight class. He's just not, he's, he just at 170, those guys just tower over him, but uh, we'll get into that fight here in a little bit. Of course, the co-main event will be the trilogy matchup between Bram Moreno and Alexandre Pantoja. Of course, Pantoja has won the first two meetings. The first meeting coming in the, on the ultimate fighter. Second meeting was a decision win. 
back in 2018. Pantoja, of course, challenging Moreno here for the flyweight title. Pantoja, a plus 175 betting underdog, minus 210 for Bram Moreno. Bram Moreno is 8700 on DK, $18 on FanDuel. Pantoja, 7500 on DK and $12 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very pivotal fight for the slate. Uh, flyweight, you know, title fight between Brandon Moreno and Alessandre Pantoja. Tons of activity and a lot riding on this matchup. Obviously the belt, but also more than that, it's just the, you know, it's the third time they've met. And, you know, we have seen fighters, you know, struggle against certain styles of fighters. And I do think that Brandon Moreno, um, against Alessandre Pantoja was there was a gap in skill because of the immaturity of Brandon Moreno at the time. Um, over the past couple of years, we have seen Brandon Moreno really flourish and start to turn into a next level athlete. I mean, the last time that they fought was back in 2018 and you know, there are competitive moments in there. Um, they know each other really well, but I do think that Brandon Moreno has hit a different level. Um, since he really, he fought Davis and Figueredo four times. So I do think that in preparation for Figueredo, the experience in fighting Figueredo, who's very, very dangerous and similar to Pantoja from a, uh, a very dangerous power puncher and submission artist, it's prepared Brandon Moreno for uh, an opportunity like this to, to really get a win over a guy who has two against him already. So I, I think the most popular chalk underdog is going to be Alessandre Pantoja. I get it. He's beaten Brandon Moreno twice in the past. Um, he is a very dangerous submission artist. He punch punches a little robotically. He has power, but I do think that there is a little bit more finesse with Brandon Moreno. And I just, I don't know. I just have this feeling that Brandon Moreno is going to have an answer for Alessandre Pantoja this time around. I, I understand the ownership and everybody getting to Alessandre Pantoja. And at 7,500, you can really make a case for him more so than some other underdogs, just given some of the big lopsided fights. We've already seen him do it twice. Why can't he do it a third time? Um, but yeah, I'm actually going to be siding with Brandon Moreno here at 8,700. I, I like him. I like what I've seen over these past couple fights against Davison Figueredo. I think it's going to prepare him for an opportunity like this to finally get a win over Alexandre Pantoja. I'm on the other side on this one. I, I like Pantoja, and I like Pantoja to win this via submission. I mean, the one thing that always concerns me about Bram Moreno is he, he's going to take chances in matchups, and sometimes it's going to work, but he it always seems like every fight he finds himself in adversity, and I think that if Pantoja can get this one to the mat, that's where his best chance to win this fight. But if you tell me this is on the feet, yeah, I think it's Bram Moreno's fight to lose. I will say, looking at ownership projections, I know a lot of people, when we're talking about on the FanDuel slate or even on the captain contest, you know, Volkanovski, Bo Nickel, Jack Dell, Madalena are going to be fighters that people are going to be attacking. I think this is the potential fight to attack from an MVP aspect just to get away from ownership. Yeah, I like I like that. For that type of slate, that makes sense. Um, and also, it's just the, the, uh, the division, flyweight division, you know. The cardio, the activity, the scramble, mm. the points. You know what I mean? It's just like points galore sometimes. Um, and, and I do think that Pantoja is going to try to come out there and bully Brandon Moreno and remind him of what's happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think what that can do is that can actually uh, result in more points in Brandon Moreno kind of answering the bell. And uh, it just going to be one of the best fights. I wouldn't mind stacking the co-main event either, to be honest. I, I mm -hmm. kind of view it the same as I view the main event. 
Uh, underdogs are hard to come by this week, in my opinion. I've tried to convince myself to get behind certain fighters, and you know, it, it makes sense to not get to those underdogs. It does make sense to get to Pantoja from a value standpoint, and we've also seen him do it two times already. So I don't hate your call at all by going with Pantoja, but I'm sided with Brandon Moreno. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be one of those weeks. It's a, it's a matter of do we get three, at least three underdogs in, in the optimal lineup. I mean, we, you, know, you know how this fight game goes. Sometimes surprises there happen. Next up, we have got essentially a kind of a title eliminator matchup in the 185-pound division. Robert Wicker taking on Drekus Duplessis. Duplessis is a plus 300 betting underdog, minus 380 for the former champion in Whitaker. Whitaker, 9100 DK, $17 on FanDuel. Duplessis is 7100 on DK, $12 on FanDuel. I think this is a dangerous fight for Robert Whitaker, right? It really is. But I know that he understands how dangerous Drikus Duplessis is. Um, I, I think certain fighters can overlook their opposition. And, you know, that's where you can fall victim to a, a hot prospect kind of taking you out of the rankings or taking your spot. I do think that Robert Whitaker is the next best thing within the division. And, you know, he's proven that time and time again. He is a fantastic fighter. Very cerebral fighter. Great striking. I don't necessarily like the hands-down approach against a power puncher, but he does have some finesse and some some just good footwork and skills all around. So I just think that, you know, he's on a completely different level than Drikas Duplessis is from a technical standpoint, but sometimes the most technical fighters don't win. It comes down to just a one big moment. And Drikas Duplessis is a moment fighter where out there he can – you know, blitz Robert Whitaker and catch him cold or, or catch him just, you know, uh, being a little gun shy. And next thing you know, Drake is two plus E priced at uh, 7,100 breaks the slate because he's a powerful guy, very powerful guy. Um, some of it, a cardio liability. And I just think the, the pace, the distance, the, the range management and the well-rounded skill set of Robert Whitaker, it makes sense that he's a heavy, heavy favorite. But you have to be careful here because, like I said, you know he has been susceptible to big power shots in the past. Um, but if you look at his entire body of work, Robert Whitaker is an absolute stud. I'm expecting him to win another decision here against Drikas Duplessis. I don't mind getting to Robert Whitaker here at 9,100. Obviously, I would prefer spending a little bit more and getting to Alex Volkanovsky because he has five rounds to work with. But I, I do think that uh, Robert Whitaker is in a very intriguing spot here against Drake is two plus E. So from a GPP underdog standpoint, I'm going to get the do uh, plus E because of the big moments and how, if he wins, he probably scores well, but everything I've seen up until this point shows me that he's going to just kind of stall a little bit against the guy on Robert Whitaker's level. The one concern you have with, with Duplessis is the cardio. We've seen it. We all know that he got his, his nose fixed. I, I'm not going to believe his cardio isn't fixed until I see it actually inside yeah. the octagon. You know, I, to me, he's very live for the first seven and a half minutes, but I just look at the potential takedown upside of Robert Whitaker in this matchup when we're talking about a fancy score aspect. And, you know, to me, when we're looking at these 9,000 options, and, you know, you're going to be looking at the ownership of all these 9,000 options, and, and I'm looking at Robert Whitaker going, that to me is a leverage spot, and he has the takedown upside. And let's just remember, since 2014, the only man he's lost to is yeah. the champion. 2014, Pete. Yeah, he's nasty. He's he's absolutely incredible, and um, and that's what I'm saying. Like Robert Whitaker is one of these other cerebral pound for pound fighters out there who's going to, you know, just 
pivot on the fly, make adjustments. And if he gets hit with a big shot against Drikas Duplessis, or he, he sees a hole in Drikas Duplessis, he's really going to go out there and exploit it. We've seen Whitaker lace up his wrestling shoes in the past and have tremendous success uh, attempting 10, 13 takedowns. Obviously, some of those are five-round bouts, but I expect him to just be the better uh, well-rounded mixed martial artist in this bout. Uh, Drikas Duplessis hasn't really had to he hasn't had success defending takedowns, only defended two takedowns in the UFC. Usually he can bull rush his way into takedowns himself. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be a Robert Whitaker uh, pick for me. Drikas Duplessis, go out there, prove me wrong. I'll still have exposure to you, but it's a Whitaker play. Yeah, two plus C's. I don't mind getting into it in terms of GPP. I kind of want to see where ownership kind of evolves with with uh, two plus C's. And uh, I mean, look, when you look at this matchup, if two plus C's goes out there, gets the win, and he walks out of the fight uninjured, he's likely fighting Izzy in the beginning of September. If Robert Whitaker wins, then Sean Strickland steps up. And I was actually uh, watching a little bit of Sean Strickland on the, on the Joe Rogan podcast. And what was kind of fascinating was he was talking about his fight last week, and he said he pretty much knew very early on in that fight that he's like. This guy don't got it. And uh, he also mentioned the point of how how this fight came together. He said, he goes, he goes, I'm sparring Marvin Vittori. His manager is in the gym, sees it, and then magically three weeks later, I get this fight offer to fight one of his other fighters. Huh? Well, that's bad management because he got his butt whooped. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, it, Strickland looked absolutely incredible. I would imagine that there is some shuffling of the cards throughout the division. Uh, after this fight, and I wouldn't mind seeing like a, a Drikas against Jared Cannonier. You know, Cannonier looked incredible the other weekend. Mm-hmm. I I just would like to see Strickland fight the champ. Just kind of it's, it's new blood within the division, mm-hmm. um, new opportunity. But I do think that this fight means a lot for the division. And Whitaker's kind of just he's he's the next best guy in my opinion. So he's kind of going to go out there and prove his value for the division. And he's a tough out. And especially if you have to fight him in a three-round fight, good luck. You know what I mean? Good luck. He's used to fighting five rounds where he can just, you know, methodically break you down. I think the pacing of Whitaker in 15 minutes is going to be ridiculous. Mention uh, some uh, comments over on YouTube uh, from Alan. He says, fading DDP in large field GPPs at current ownership. I'm seeing 20 max at least. Um, I, I wouldn't fade him just because of if he does go out there and get the win, I, I think you're looking at 90 85, 90 points, you know, oh, yeah. because it's going to be a stoppage. Uh, Brian says, he goes, you think Whitaker scores high enough to pay off his price tag in a win compared to the other 9,000 guys? Um, I mean, look, I think if he's able to utilize that takedown, I mean, you know, you can look at someone like a Bo Nickel, potentially quick win bonus, but Bo Nickel's also $700 more than Robert Whitaker. Yeah. So to me, it's more of... How do you? How are you constructing your roster if you're not getting to say Robert Whitaker and let's just say you're going to uh, a Cameron Samon at 9400, who is a guy I really like, and we'll, we'll talk about that later on in the show. I mean, to me, it just becomes a roster. But to me, what I really like about Whitaker is a the takedown upside and b what we're seeing in ownership right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, do I know if he's going to score well? No, I I, I wouldn't necessarily bank on him scoring better than some of these other 9,000 options there, you know, they have a, a much greater chance of finishing, finishing inside the distance than Robert Whitaker does. But Robert Whitaker has the opportunity to a rack up takedowns, beat the brakes off of Drikas Duplessis or take him to takedown city. So I think that there is significant potential there at his given ownership and price 
to do almost as well as some of these other 9,000 options. I wouldn't say he's the safest. I think that he's the most contrarian 9,000 option out there, one of the. Um, and I'm okay with just taking that approach and getting to him a little bit more than the masses. Let's move over. Next up, we got Jalen Turner taking on Dan Hooker. Of course, I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Jalen Turner is not going to make weight. Uh, two pounds over the uh, weight limit here at lightweight. Uh, he is a minus 280 betting favor taking on Dan Hooker, who's plus 230. Turner, $8,800 on DK, $17 on FanDuel. For Dan Hooker, he's $7,400 on DK and $13 on FanDuel. I like both of these guys. Um, I'm a fan of both of these guys. I, I'm not a fan of how much damage Dan Hooker has taken throughout his career. Um, you know, and he seems to be okay with taking damage. He really engages in firefights almost every single time he's out there. And for being so technically skilled, he's dropped that technical advantage over a lot of people by just biting down on the mouthpiece and engaging in a war. You can go back and look at that Dustin Poirier fight. And ever since then, it's just seemed like you know, he's he's lost a step. He's taken so much damage in that fight and every fight since that a step up against Jalen Turner, who's one of the hottest fighters out there and arguably beat Mataj Gamrat, he's in for a very tough fight. Is it possible that Dan Hooker beats Jalen Turner in a kickboxing fight? Yes, absolutely possible. I don't think he's going to outgrapple Jalen Turner. Uh, I think that Dan Hooker is solid in the wrestling and grappling department. Um, but I just think that Turner is just as equally as dangerous and more powerful. And I, outside of Jalen Turner getting starched in his debut to Vicente Luque, who's an absolute monster at welterweight, we've seen Jalen Turner do just fine within the lightweight division. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be siding with Jalen Turner here. I agree with the ownership. I just think that Dan Hooker doesn't look right. And it's been a while since he's looked right. Yes, mm -hmm. he's coming off that nice performance against Claudio Puelas, super one-dimensional athlete, guy who just is okay with accepting bottom positions, hunting for leg locks and knee bars especially. Um, so, yeah, Dan Hooker looked good in that fight. I just, you know, unless there's some injury that Jalen Turner is masking and that's the reason why he missed weight or he had a horrible weight cut and is going to go out there and be a shell of himself, I'm expecting Jalen Turner to uh, – kind of cut right through Dan Hooker, and it's going to be sad to see. But I think that Turner's just got too much for Hooker. Yeah, I mean, the question ultimately is, is I mean, look, he's a massive 155-er, cuts a ton of weight to make the weight. It, it, you do kind of do wonder maybe it has something. Is there an injury or did ultimately just come down to a decision the team say, you know what, we're, we're not going to you know cut these final two pounds. Let's just get on the scale. Let's let's have the managers do the negotiation and go from there. Um, you know, but look, it's it's a fight that I think you have to prioritize on both sides. And, um, you know, if you're playing multi-entries, you, you got to have some sprinkles of Dan Hooker in there because – you know, Dan Hooker could potentially be able to catch him with something. Next up, we got the opening fight of the pay-per-view. Bo Nickel taking on Val Woodburn. Of course, so Woodburn stepping up here on fight week to take this fight. He is a 1,300 underdog. Bo Nickel, minus 2,800. Nickel, 9,800 on DK, $23 on FanDuel. Woodburn, 6,400 on DK, $7 on FanDuel. And I'll tell you something that me and... Pete, we're talking about before the show is you do wonder if this is one of those fights that we see potentially Bo Nickel and his team say, let's get some cage time in. Oh, yeah. I mean, like this is it, this is crazy. Um, you know, I, I don't 
like the odds. I think that it's absolutely ridiculous for somebody to be that heavily favored over anybody, especially a guy who's green within mixed martial arts. I understand Bo Nichols wrestling pedigree is just on a completely different level. Um, he's absolutely incredible in the wrestling department, but I, this is MMA. You can, you can humanize wrestlers at times if you're able to stuff some takedowns and punish them on the feet or catch them with a knee as they're coming in and, uh, you know, make them strike a little bit longer than they're accustomed to. I think that, you know, the price tag's warranted because of the potential, not necessarily from a quick win bonus, but from a 15-minute wrestling just, I I think, seminar. I I really think that he can go out there and just show to be on a completely different level. Could he get Woodburn out of there with a submission relatively quickly? Sure. He's done it to most people. Um but I, I do think that Val Woodburn's not bad. He's a power puncher, which is going to be pretty easy to duck under and uh, time a takedown. I'm going to still get the Val Woodburn. I'm telling you right now, just because this is MMA and anything happens, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get to him a small amount, just like my my strategy this week is I'm getting to almost everybody because I, I'm ex- I'm struggling to find underdogs, and I know somebody's going to pop off. And I'm going to just plant my flag on some of the fighters that I feel really confident in. For me, it's Volkanovski. Uh, and in addition to that, I like Brandon Moreno a lot this week. So I'm going to be mixing and matching other fights and other fighters that nobody's giving a shot. And they're all writing you know, somebody off. I'm not, on, I'm not as high on Bo Nickel as most people. Like I, I expect him to be really good within the division. Like really good within the division. But I, I don't think that he's going to be this undefeated guy forever. I, I think he's going to meet his match. I don't think it's Woodburn. I think he's going to go through Woodburn. But um, I, I think Bo Nickel, there's still a lot within his MMA game we haven't seen because of his dominance. So I understand the price tag, but from just a contrarian standpoint, I'd be fine with getting away from him, just given the other amazing 9,000 options. Uh, he's easily the highest favorite on the card. Um, but yeah, it, I mean... Outside of getting caught with something, he should go out there and just wax Woodburn from a, a, a wrestling and MMA standpoint. Appreciate the super chat from Like Liker. He said, "From he goes, says, is Bo Nickel a good striker at all? It's an unknown. Yeah, I mean, I don't really think he is. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily have to be. You know what I mean? He doesn't have to be because he just has to threaten the, the thought of the takedown mm-hmm. and then an overhand left as evidenced on the uh, – contender series you know that was all she wrote it led to a finish you know and he he hops on the neck of all of his dropped opponents or all of his opponents that are taken down very opportunistic grappler i'm expecting him to have no problem with woodburn here but i'm still i just got a bad feeling that one of these days we're gonna see bow knuckle get knocked out badly Mm -hmm. uh i just don't think that woodburn's the guy yeah, I mean, you look at what Price picks, the uh, significant strike number on Bo Nickel is 10.5, and, and you go, wow, that's a really low number. He hasn't landed 10 strikes in the UFC fight. So, um, you know, you, you kind of you, – you, it's one of those fights that I just I, I just wonder from a coaching aspect is are they saying, let's get some work in. Let's get some work in. But, yep. I mean, he might he might take him down in 20 seconds and finish him within a minute. I mean, I think it like, to me – if you're rostering Bo Nickel, I think part of your thought process has to be quick finish bonus. 
quick quick finish is tough though because like mm-hmm. it's he's got a minute to work with. Could it happen? Absolutely. But like if he doesn't, he busts that price tag all day long. Unless it's a fifteen minute drag him out, takes him down ten plus times. I think it's possible. Um and, and like if that I was the coaches, that's probably what I would say. Guy step it up on short notice, take the threat out of it, wrestle early, wrestle often. Then come round two or later round one, maybe even round three, uh, he's going to be a sitting duck to anything you want to do on the feet. And maybe that's where he starts to look a little bit like Colby Covington, more volume striking into whatever he wants. Um, you don't want to see that amateur type of sprinting all the time. You know what I mean? Because it's not it's not going to be able to translate against the top guys in the world. I will say this, and, and we're going to talk about this fight a little bit later on, and in a 1v1 situation – I'd probably rather get get to Tyra than Bo Nickel and save the two hundred dollars. Ooh, uh, I don't know about that. I I think I disagree with you, but I, I'm I'm interested to hear how you have to say that. Yeah, I, I and and maybe that's because I'm super I, I, like I'm super high on Bo Nickel. And look, it's a huge question mark of, of what he is on the feet. But Tara, he gets on he gets on your back. It's over, and and that's it's one of those things of trying to look at. Uh, when you're comparing fighters uh, of the fancy score upside and thinking, okay, if Tara gets a one takedown, maybe two takedowns, and he racks up some points control, where then he might be able to outlast. I mean, I mean, look, you, you if you're putting Bo Nickel in your lineup, you got to be hoping for 125 points. Oh, all day long. You need it. Yeah. Uh, so over next up, we've got uh, the retirement matchup or retirement because we know we never believe those words. Pete, when you tell me you're retired, I'm going to say, bullshit, you ain't retiring. We've <laughs> <laughs> got Nico Price taking on Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, of course, retired matchup for him. He's a plus 190 betting underdog, minus 230 for Nico Price. Nico, 8900 on DK, $16 on FanDuel. And for Robbie Lawler, he's 7300 on DK and $12 on FanDuel. Yeah, so all week, like, I've been staring at this card trying to come up with underdogs that I want to get behind, and it's a struggle for me personally. So um, if I wasn't back in Pantoja, where the hell am I going to find an underdog? I'm worried about Nico Price knocking out Robbie Lawler. I have to be honest. Nico Price is dangerous and can knock out anybody that he's up against. He has that crazy power, that freaky type of power, some super weird, unorthodox wins, hammer fist from the bottom, like super strange guy, very volatile fighter. Um, A lot of people thought that he was going to get rid of Donald Cerrone and that was going to be a very violent finish. Um... But that, that turned out to be a draw. He scored 64 fantasy points in that fight. That was three years ago now. But since then, he's fought Michelle Pajaya, Alex Oliveira, and Phil Rowe. In every single one of these fights, there are numerous moments of him losing, right? Like he's always in a tough fight. And then sometimes he pulls himself out from the jaws of defeat. Or his opponents just do enough and then they get rid of him. Um, with it being a close fight... It makes me side with the underdog and Robbie Lawler, who's had you know more experience. He's seen it all, done it all. I don't like it when a guy has like one foot in, one foot out. But there's also a point where if somebody knows and they're okay with the idea of retiring, then they want to go out on a good note, obviously, um, and they're going to give it their all. So I'm going to be siding with Robbie Lawler here mm-hmm. to uh, to win. I don't know if he knocks out Nico Price. He has the power and the skills to do so. He is somewhat of a punching bag at times and rolls with punches a little bit too much for my liking. I'd rather him counter or be aggressive. Perhaps we see ruthless Robbie Lawler return to form here 
it's been quite some time. And if you look at both of their records, hideous records as of late, um, it makes sense from a, mm-hmm. a fight on paper. Um, but as far as like experience and legacy, Robbie should have rode off into the sunset with that Nick Diaz performance. Um, you know, Ryan Barbarina went out there and just kind of, you know, was so aggressive that Lawler couldn't really get anything going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be siding with Lawler here, despite all the negative things I just said. I think that there's equally negative things with Nico Price, and he's much younger than Robbie Lawler from a career standpoint. So for him to be taking as much damage as he has already, it's completely worrisome for me. So I'll be siding with the experience of Robbie Lawler at 7,300, but I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I don't feel good about either side of this matchup. I just, for whatever reason, I feel like this is a fight that potentially does end up optimal. Appreciate the, another super chat from Like Liker. He goes, random, but when you fight again, Pete, I want to support my guy Pete and watch you get another TKO. Uh, there, there, you know, it's there's a lot of discussion going on about when that can take place, I'll tell you that. Uh, and then Scott, uh, you know, saying, uh, if Pete has another fight, you need a replacement for a few weeks, Jason. Look, me and Pete did a show the night before his fight when he lied to me about what his game plan was going to be. <laughs> that is true. When I fought for Bellator, Jason flew up and uh, we did a live show the literally right after I weighed in um, and then uh, went out there and, and won. And then, um, yeah, it was cool. So we still got the, the show on. It's a it, it, it takes me away from, you know, what's about to happen. It's like a, a nice distraction, just keeping things normal. Um but yeah, Jason's seen videos. Jason knows I'm training my butt off. It's just trying to figure out which promotion, what I'm doing. And there's a lot going on within the entire landscape of MMA. So uh, trying to figure out something that makes sense. Right, maybe we should just get you up to Alaska FC. I'm with it. I tell you, give me a title fight right away. Good Lord. Well, we're going to talk about Alaska FC later on. Good Lord. That is a bad regional show. Oh, my God. I mean, oof. That's a bad one. But uh, let's move over to our next match. We got Jack Della, Matt Atlanta taking on Josiah Harrell. Josiah Harrell stepping up here just on a couple of days' notice. He is a 6 to 1 betting underdog, and uh, Matt Atlanta a 9 to 1 betting underdog. Matt Atlanta, 9700 on DK, $21 on FanDuel, and Josiah is 6500 on DK and $9 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, I mean, Josiah Harrell's talented. He really is. He's good. Um, he's very good, has some some power in the hands, but it's his wrestling that, that is the difference maker. Uh, but he's a lightweight. So stepping up on short notice against one of the most impressive welterweight contenders out there. And I'm going to say contenders cause I have high, high hopes for Jack Della Maddalena. JDM is a guy that I've told you since his debut. And I've told everybody, if you've been a long time listener, I labeled him as one of the prospects that I have been absolutely impressed with. And that a guy I can see contending for the for the title, if not winning the belt. I have him in the same category as Hamza Shemaev, Jack Della Maddalena, Tom Aspinall. Those are the guys that I've backed super, super heavy. I used to be a big Romanov guy, but I kind of hopped off the bandwagon and uh, picked Volkov to beat him. And, you know, I was correct with that. But JDM is a guy that I hold in such high regard for the welterweight division. Excellent striker. Goes to the body better than anybody out there in the game. Um, Josiah Harrell's good. He's very good, but he's a lightweight. He's going to be undersized. And when JDM has been in preparation for this fight, it's been against Sean Brady, who is going to be looking to do the same thing, if not better, absolutely better than Josiah Harrell. And that's take JDM down. So 
I know that, you know, historically, if you go back and you watch Della Maddalena's regional career, that people have success if they can get him down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a fantastic striker, so he's not dangerous when he's on his back. I just think that, you know, Harrell's going to be outgunned. He could pull off the upset, absolutely, by banking some rounds at 6,500. He could be one of those guys that gets numerous takedowns and perhaps does enough in a loss to, to do enough. Uh, kind of reminiscent to Stephen Coslow, you know, months and months and months ago, where against Cameron Simon, he got uh, like 60 points in a loss or something because he had numerous takedowns in control time. Um, that could be a way to get different is just punting to a guy who's, whose path to victory is getting takedowns. But I just foresee Jack Della Maddalena being too much and getting a, a TKO in round two against Josiah Harrell. So thank you for stepping up on short notice. Um, Josiah Harrell should have some success inside the UFC, but not against Jack Della Maddalena. And this is how a lot of guys get their opportunities. It's stepping up on, you know, five, six days notice to take these matches. You put yourself in a great situation and we'll see if Harrell can utilize that grapple. If he can, it doesn't make him a little bit of an interesting underdog. Next up, we got a female matchup as Jasmine taking on Gomes. Uh, Jasmine is a minus 380 betting favorite, plus 300 for Gomes. Uh, Jasmine, 9300 on DK, $18 on FanDuel. And Denise is 6900 on DraftKings and $11 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, so, I mean, this is an interesting fight, right? We have, you know, kind of crazy odds for how I see this fight going. I, I do think that Yasmin Yaragui is talented, and she's the more technical fighter. Um, I don't like where the odds are sitting. Just because of, you know, uh, uh, Haregi is super technical doesn't mean that she doesn't engage into a firefight and doesn't mean that this could be a competitive kickboxing fight between Denise Gomes and Haregi. So um, I'm going to be siding with the value here at 6,900. Um, it's it's an ugly play. I don't like it, but I have to pick some underdogs. And I can actually see Denise Gomes doing enough on the feet, hitting Haregi with a big shot and hurting her. We did see Yasmin take a big shot against Estela Nunes, who I am not high on at all. And uh, she was dropped um, in round one. She came back and scored 129 points. But it, did, it didn't look good early. And I do think that Denise Gomes showed that she throws absolute bombs against Bruno Brazil. Um, and she's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who's been competing in grappling tournaments as well. So she went 3-3 three three in the takedown department uh, with a knockdown, almost four minutes of control time against Bruno Brazil. Do I think she has that type of success against Yasmin? No. But do I think it's close enough to make me side with the value? Yes. So of all the 9,000 options, Yasmin Yaragui is my least favorite. Um... I don't like the price. I don't like the odds. So it's going to make me pick Denise Gomes here to pull off the upset at 6,900. It's women's MMA, super volatile, should be closer than this. Scott, I appreciate your super chat. He says, he goes, I see 12 lopsided fights besides the main event and co-main event. Who do you think has the best chance for an upset? Um, I, I think there's several good contenders out there. Um, I, I, you know, some of the fights that we've already talked about, Duplassis, uh, Lawler, um, yeah. and, and I don't mind the Gomes call either. Yeah, I'm going to go Lawler and Gomes just from like a should the odds be as far apart as they are. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's that's how you can sometimes find value, um, you know, and that that's kind of how I'm looking at, at this slate. And I would be going after Gomes and Lawler just getting a little bit more than the public. You don't have to go and lock them in. But if you get, you know, double than what the public has, guess what? You're going to have a, a great opportunity to, to have the correct combination. 
Next up, we got a rematch here. That was a majority draw. The last time they met, met, met up, that is Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Minifield. Jimmy Crute, a minus 135 betting favorite, plus 115 for Alonzo Minifield. A200 on DK for Crute. He's $15 on FanDuel. And then for Minifield, he's 8000 on DK and $13 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows what the hell is going to happen in this fight, to be honest. It, it was a ridiculous fight between Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Minifield in their first encounter resulted in a draw because of uh, a point deduction. Um, you know, Menafield scoring 58 in the law in the draw and Jimmy Crute scoring 62 in the draw. Both of guys had significant success against each other. Um, Jimmy Crute's a guy similar to Nico Price where, you know, relatively young for their careers for how much damage they've taken. I, I don't like seeing that or backing guys. Yes, he has a significant grappling edge. Yes, he could take Alonzo Menafield down and submit him. We did see him take him down and have you know great moments um you know he went six of 12 in the takedown department almost eight minutes of control time but every moment that he wasn't in control alonzo menafield was moments away from stopping the fight so i I do think that alonzo menafield you know hits so damn hard and proved that he can stuff some takedowns it's a super volatile fight right like flip a coin i don't know who's going to win the fight i'm going to be siding with the value of alonzo menafield less damage on his body um, I think that with a couple adjustments, he can improve upon um, his last performance. And I do think that he can get Jimmy Crute out of there this time. Uh, but on the flip side, it can also see a world where Jimmy Crute finally lands a takedown. It breaks somebody, it breaks Menafield's spirit, and then he gets a submission finish. But I'll be siding with Alonzo Menafield. I think that he's, you know, it's a pick em, So it's a slight underdog. But to me, it's, you know, one of the best fights to target from a high upside standpoint. Yeah, I mean it's it's a priority fight for me. I mean, I'm you know I'm gonna have several uh, groups over in Cruncher, and this is gonna be a big part of uh, those groups I do build here. I do side with Jimmy Crew just because of, of that takedown upside, but I want to get to Menafield as well. I mean, I, I I think I will be over the field in terms of what we're seeing in terms of ownership as he, this time. Next up, we got Tara taking on Edgar. Tara is a minus one thousand betting favorite, plus six fifty for Edgar. Uh, Tara ninety six hundred DK, twenty one dollars on Fanduel, and for Edgar he's sixty six hundred on DK and. Nine dollars on FanDuel. Should note this is a catch weight of one hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Tatsuya Tyra for the division. I think that Edgar Shirez, you know, he's got good hands, um, and I do think that he's dangerous. But I just think that Tatsuya Tyra is just going to be uh, a little too much for him. Um, I didn't think that Shirez looked all that great on the scale, and I understand it's at a a catch weight. But when I looked at him on the scale, I was like, ooh, he don't look good. Um, mm-hmm. But that's my personal perception. And Tetsuro Tyra, up until this point, has looked everything you know, like a prospect should. Carlos Candelario went out there, proved that he can go 15 minutes, 96 points. CJ Vergara and Jesus Aguilar, 106 and 103 points, respectively. So I, I like uh, Tetsuro Tyra here at 9,600. He's an excellent back taker. And whenever you have a, a specialist in taking backs, you're going to have my attention. I think that Edgar Shirez is going to leave an opportunity to get taken down and get choked out. Um, but, you know, he has power. And Tatsuro Tyra, you know, he's developing his striking. His striking isn't bad. It's basic. But, there, you know, at, at some point he's going to be met with a, somebody who can stuff a takedown or uh, be just as uh, threatening in the submission department where it becomes a more of a kickboxing fight. And then I'll, I'll like to see how he how he performs in that fight. But – I don't think that Edgar Shirez is the guy to do it. 
I'm siding with Tetsuro Tyra here at 9,600. I think that, you know, just like many of the 9,000 options, you know, he, he's an excellent choice. Yeah, I mean, and to me, what I love about Tyra is that ability to get on your back. And if he, and, and that's where, you know, looking at these high 9,000 options of trying to look at that fantasy score upside of how he could rack up some points with the grappling. So we'll see what happens there. Next up, we got another 9,000 fighter. That'd be Petrino taking on Pracnio. Pracnio is a two to one betting underdog, minus 240 for Petrino. Petrino, 9,000 on DK, $16 on FanDuel. And Pracnio is 7,200 on DK, $13 on FanDuel. I mean, Pracnio is a guy I haven't really been high on at all. Um, I thought William Knight was going to get rid of him, but William Knight decided not to throw anything in that fight. Um, I think single-digit significant strikes or something ridiculous like that. So uh, Marcin Pracnio, a guy that, you know, he's tricky just because he throws things from odd angles. And, uh, you know, he can he's always live to land a head kick or a knee up the middle or a powerful shot. Everybody within this division is super powerful. So he could close his eyes and land something on, on Vitor Petrino, who's, you know, defensively irresponsible at times, but more dangerous than Marcin Pracnio. I'm going to be siding with Vitor Petrino here. I think that he gets this fight done however he wants. I think that he gets rid of Marcin Pracnio. Uh, against Anton Takali, we did see him lace up his wrestling shoes, uh, attempt nine takedowns, was successful with seven of them, defended 10 takedowns, reversed four positions, had six minutes of control time. So I loved what I saw from Vitor Petrino in a 15-minute you know, contest because up until that point, I had questions, um, and now he's really answered everything that I was curious about. Um, he has excellent power. He has a very solid ground game. I think he's going to beat Marcin Pracnio however he wants, and uh, I, I do think it's going to happen via TKO. So Vitor Petrino, save some money. Spend up at nine nine thousand. Um, I think that he's an excellent inside the distance play. Pracnio can win a decision, sure. He did it against another dangerous guy in William Knight, but that was largely due to Knight not doing anything. I think the most impressive thing is the Khalil Roundtree fight, where he won and scored seventy one fantasy points, uh, and that kind of blew me blew me away too because you know Khalil's looked next level at times, but super inconsistent. So I, I think that Petrino's got the goods to get rid of Pracnio. And at nine thousand, I think he's an excellent play. Yeah, I just can't trust Pacquiao. I just, I, I can't. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing that he he was has been given the opportunities that he got after those first three fights in the UFC. Next up, we got Cameron Samon taking on Terrence Mitchell. Cameron is a minus five fifty betting favorite, plus four hundred for Mitchell, ninety four hundred for Cameron on DK, nineteen dollars on Fanduel, and for Mitchell, he's six eight hundred on DK, ten dollars on Fanduel. And uh, I mentioned this in line to Pete before the show. Friends don't let friends put Alaska FC fighters in their DraftKings lineup. That's all we got to say, right? That's all we got to say. Terrence Mitchell having success within Alaska FC is a super, it's a big red flag, right? Um, you know, he's humongous for the division and how he tends to have success over a lot of his opponents is by attempting takedowns. And we have seen Cameron Simon get taken down against Stephen Kozlow and, and lose minutes and moments. And Kozlow racked up tons of takedowns and control time. But we did see Simon come back and get a TKO in round three, scoring 118. I think that Simon is clearly the more dangerous guy. But if Terrence Mitchell wants to go out there and just shoot takedowns and sandbag him, it's possible, especially at 6,800 and for being so big for the division. But very hard for me to ever back somebody from Alaska FC. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a Cameron Simon play, but I'm still going to be sprinkling some 
Terrence Mitchell exposure simply due to the size and the grappling skill set of Mitchell, even though I don't think that he's good. I think Simon will have an answer for everything, and I think Simon will get him out of there uh, in round two. Yeah, I like Hammer in this spot, but definitely do not want to go the Terrence. I, I will probably X him out. I probably, I'll probably uncheck the yeah. cruncher. I'm not doing that this week just because I'm expecting some weird stuff to happen. And, you know, it's I'm confident on some high plays, and then I'm going to get super weird with everything else. Okay. Uh, we got two more fights here left to break down. We got Jesus Aguilar taking on Shannon Ross. Shannon Ross, a plus 120 betting underdog, minus 140 for Jesus Aguilar. He's 8600 on DK, $16 on FanDuel. And for Ross, he's 7600 on DK, $13 on FanDuel. I'll tell you what, Jason. I've been flip-flopping all week on the first two fights of the night, and I admittedly have struggled. And I really don't know who I'm going to pick in some of these fights, but – I was so close to pulling the trigger on Shannon Ross experience edge. He's a good striker. Um, he's, he has experience and he has an active style. It's just, he's so defensively irresponsible. And that chin is so gone that for the flyweight division, not known for knockouts and finishes, he's been knocked out a significant amount of times for my liking. So it's like, it's a it's a division not known for for knockouts and he's getting knocked out so i mean there's so much damage on his body that even a guy who hasn't been known as a striker and jesus aguilar can land a shot drop shannon ross and then lead to a beautiful submission finish like a club and sub type of thing and jesus aguilar is a guillotine expert like i i'm a big guillotine guy it's one of my best weapons out there, and uh, I appreciate somebody who has a good guillotine. The issue is if you continuously jump for your guillotines, uh, you could be put in bad positions if you are unsuccessful. I think that Jesus Aguilar is at the at a very interesting ownership for you know going up against the guy who has you know question marks surrounding his chin, his durability, and his desire. I, I just think that there are numerous ways to get Shannon Ross out of there. I really, really wanted to be bullish on Shannon Ross just because of my struggle of finding an mm -hmm. underdog. But I, I'm still going to side with Jesus Aguilar. I'm going to side with him ever so slightly. I think that he picks up a finish over Shannon Ross, but it is flyweight, and a lot of times we see competitive matchups. So if Ross is able to avoid the power shot and avoid leaving his neck out there, he's in a tremendous spot to pick up a decision win. And this is that fight of the week where neither side is getting you know anything much ownership. Where you have to look at this and say, okay, maybe this is a way for me to get a little bit different in the field. And but you know my only concern about uh, Aguilar is he doesn't have any knockouts. And if you're going to beat Shannon Ross, I feel like that's how you're going to do it. So that's kind of where I sit there. Now, and then of course our opening fight of the night, you got Esteban taking on Kirk. Esteban minus one fifty betting fair plus one twenty five for Kirk. Eighty five hundred on DK for Esteban. Fifteen dollars on FanDuel and Kirk. He's seventy seven hundred on. DK and $14 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, I'm going to be pissed if I'm wrong about this because I was on Shannon Ross and then on Rebovich, and now I've flip-flopped. And so I'm, I'm back in Jesus Aguilar, and I'm slightly leaning towards Camuela Kirk. And hear me out. I don't trust either one of these guys, and I don't trust anybody within the first two fights. So I'm going to be having tons of exposure to both sides just because I think it's an interesting leverage spot. Uh, Camuela Kirk, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, can't really fault him for not looking like a black belt against Damon Jackson, who is a prolific grappler and very, very strong for the division. So I know a lot of people in recency biases is going to be out there and you're going to be like, he looked horrible in the grappling situations. 
Go back and watch Esteban Rebovich's last fight against Loic Rajabov and tell me that he did anything outside of an intermediate level from a, a grappling and wrestling standpoint because he looked pretty bad defensively. Um, he was taken down and ragdolled against uh, Loic Rajabov, and uh, he makes a ton of mistakes getting back to his feet. I foresee him getting his back taken. I can see him you know, getting reversed. He attempts Kimuras from the bottom as kind of like a bailout, as a sweep from the bottom. If anybody was wise enough, they'd step around into an armbar, counter armbar. Kim Willa Kirk's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I think, is going to be the difference maker here. And I understand that I'm just leaning towards Kim Willa Kirk. I'm going to get to both sides because I do think that Rebovich has excellent striking and can knock out Kim Willa Kirk no problem at all. It's just that like Kirk has a great mind and Santino DeFranco there around him. And I do think that if you go back and you watch the film of Rebovich, you're like, we're taking him down and we're taking his back. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's a close fight and I need to get to some underdog. So it's a very, very slight lean towards Camwella Kirk using his jujitsu. He's an okay striker. I don't think that I would recommend him going out there against Rebovich. The one thing that I mentioned with you pre-show that makes me feel horrible about even leaning in Camwella Kirk's direction is that a couple months ago he fractured his L5 in his back. So, like, I had a rule. If somebody breaks their back, you, you're not going to back them in their first <laughs> fight. You know what I mean? So, I, I'm still going to side slightly with Cam Willikirk, um, but I hate it. I, I hate it one way or another. And I'm saying, like, super slight. It's just uh, more so finding an underdog to, to make my lineups work. Yeah, as someone who has dealt with back injuries, they suck. <laughs> I mean, right. They- it's way it's dude like this was i forget what the date was it was like february or march when he posted that about his back and like you fracture your l5 you shouldn't be fighting but it's almost like why would santino allow him to take a fight like this unless you know what i mean it's like it's so stupid that there has to be something up because if they're if they're really just taking this fight he's not 100 percent he must be dead broke or something. It must be a financial decision. Yeah, that definitely does play into it. Now, uh, uh, something to know before we get into our straight-up fight picks, uh, Jalen Turner uh, has been fined 20% of his purse. The fight will go forward as a catchweight matchup tomorrow. So just throw that one out there. Our straight-up fight picks, uh, main event, I'll go Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah, Volkanovsky for me. Uh, I'm going to go underdog number one in Pantoja. I'm going to lie with the champ and go Brandon Moreno. Uh, I will go uh, Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker. Yeah, Robert Whitaker, my guy. Uh, even though he missed weight, I still like Jalen Turner. Same, Jalen Turner. Uh, Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel, unfortunately. I'll go underdog number two, and I think this may be more of a uh, hoping he can go out with a win, but I'll go Robbie Lawler. Same. I, I'm going to go Robbie Lawler. Too much on the line to go out there and lose to a guy, Nico Price. Uh, I'll go Jack Della Maddalena. ADM for me as well. I'll go uh, Jasmine. I get it. I'm going to side with the underdog and Denise Gomes. I'm going to go Croot because of the takedown upside. I'm going to go Menifil because of the damage on Croot. Uh, Tara? Yep, Tatsura Tyra for me. Uh, Petrino? Petrino. Uh, Simon? Simon. Uh, I'm going to go Jesus Aguilar. Don't feel great about it. Yeah, I'm going to go Aguilar. And I'm just going to use your rule. Can't go with the broken back guy. Give me Esteban. I get it, and I'm <laughs> breaking my rule. I'm going Kim Willa Kirk, but I, I understand it. 
Uh, let's get some uh, questions from Discord that came in uh, before the show. Uh, Tristan said, rank the 9K options and who are the best leverage plays? So I'll, I'll go through. So we got eight options, P. I'll go through it. Uh, number one for me is Volkanovski. Uh, number two, I will go uh, Saimon. Three, Nickel. Four, Tyra. Five, Madalena. Six, Petrino. Seven, Whitaker. And eight, Yasmin. I think I agree with you. I'm, I don't know if. I'm as high on Cameron Simon. I mean, I, I like him a lot. Um, you know, I think I'm with you. I, I I hate Yasmin, and then my second least favorite is is Whitaker. But I'm pretty big on Petrino. I think I'd switch Simon and Petrino. I think that Petrino's a discount with tremendous upside. Uh, to me, in terms of leverage spots, it would be Yasmin and Whitaker. Yeah, it's Whitaker for me. And and obviously looking at ownership, that's what that has to do with there. Uh, value plays under eight K on DraftKings. So, I mean, both guys in the, in the main event, co-main event, you gotta like them as, as value plays underneath eight K. Um, other ones to me, uh, I, I would throw Duplessis in there. Um, you know, I just noticed we don't have a seventy-eight or seventy-nine hundred fighter. You realize that? Yeah. That's that's a big difference for the you know from eight thousand to seventy seven hundred like that's mm-hmm. you know uncharted territory. Usually we got we got fighters that are in close fights. Um, so yeah, I mean for the bottom of the barrel guys, it's gonna be Lawler for me and Denise Gomes. Which underdog will upset a big favorite? Why do I as I look at these big favorites? Why does my eyes just immediately go to Josiah Harrell? I don't think he ain't beating my boy JDM. I, I, just, I just, I think what, what if he racks up the first two rounds with just grappling him and survives the final five minutes? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would be in agreement with you if he was a welterweight. He's a lightweight. I mean, he's fought at catchweights in the past, but like, it's not like it's a tremendous switch up. It's not like JDM's. Planning on fighting, I don't know, a striker within the the, the welterweight division, mm-hmm. and now he's getting that curveball of a of a grappler. He's been training for Sean Brady. If Josiah Harrell goes out there and takes him down and has his way with him, Sean Brady could have done the same thing, if not worse. Yeah, uh, Sam, we appreciate the super chat. Am I going to be on the first fight? Um, in twenty match, yes. Single entry, no. I just don't see myself getting there in a single entry. Uh, favorite core plays. Um, to me, um, that would be Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. Would be one. Um, two. I mean, I, I mean, I hate to, you know, I mean, you're trying to find some value when I'm talking about core plays. Um, probably Jimmy Crute, even though I don't feel good about it, but I got to find, I got to find a way to save some salary. Um, yeah. But I really love Cameron Simon. I really do. Yeah, you just hate Alaska FC. No lies detected. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, I even went back to watch the product, and it's horrendous. It's pathetic. We got, like, better <laughs> fights at the bars than what Alaska FC is putting out there. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, do you have some core plays? I mean, like, I'm on Menafield, and it's just that fight's a core play to me. Um, outside of that, like I'm bigger on Brandon Moreno this week than most people. 
so it's going to be Moreno and Volkanovski just favoring the champs this week. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, highest leverage play, 9K to me, that that is Robert Whitaker because of that takedown upside that he does have there. Um, it says, uh, I imagine being such a favorite and high expectative scoring fight favorite underdogs will be necessary to be overweight on some of those picks. I mean, I, I haven't started constructing lineups, so I'm not sure where I'm going to be overweight on. My, my guess is I'll probably be around the field on Volkanovski. Um, I might be, you know, I'll probably be co-main event, I'll probably be around the field. Um, I could see myself maybe getting a little more than the field. I'll say someone like a, a Tyra or a Cameron, one of those two guys going going heavy on um, in terms of those guys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Favorite captain plays for the captain mode. <clears throat> um, I, I think you got to look at either Moreno or Pintoja. I, I think that a lot of people are going to be going towards that main event. I think co-main event is a place to look at. Yeah, I mean, if you look box score-wise, like Brandon Moreno hasn't done anything spectacular from a DFS standpoint. He's been solid. This could be the breakthrough fight, especially because he's going to need to do something against Pantoja, who's going to be so threatening. Um, so I'm with you from a leverage standpoint, from a value standpoint, it makes sense. And they have five rounds to work with. I like flyweights, never mind five rounds. Uh, top parlay plays. I was trying to put a parlay together the other day, and it's just the the, the, the the problem is is you got so many huge favorites. I mean, um, you know, I would even though I really don't want to parlay props, that's maybe where I would look at some of these bigger underdogs and, and trying to find a, a little bit. I mean, I'm, I, I want to say I put a four fighter parlay together and I still couldn't even get plus money. I mean, no, you're probably still sitting at minus two, two fifty, three hundred. It's just, yeah, it, it was, yeah, I think it was like minus two fifty, two sixty, something like that. And, you know, I, I just, I don't really love that very much there. Uh, top punt plays, uh, punt play for me, GPPs, I would say, is Duplessis. I wouldn't, I wouldn't love that for a cash game punt just because of, I think if he doesn't get a, a, a stoppage in the first, second round, he just doesn't win. Um, other punt plays, uh, maybe maybe uh, Denise Gomes. Yeah, it's Denise Gomes and Robbie Lawler for me. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, over under 11.5, Sam, man, you are on some good stuff this morning. Give me under. Under for me. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Have yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Spencer uh, here in the chat says, uh, who's your favorite guy's MVP and cheat play on FanDuel? Um, in terms of it, and I was mentioning this, Spencer, a little bit earlier on the show, um, you know, a lot of people are going to be getting to Volk, Bo Nickel, Jack Ma- Della Maddalena. To me, I'm looking at that co-main event. I think that's where you can find some really good value there at MVP. But, you know, in terms of, like, other guys that I- I- I'll look at Cameron same on. I mean, you know, I- I'll keep, uh, you know, Saying what I'll say about last FC, but I think he's one. Tara, I think, is a, is another good MVP. Uh, cheap plays over on FanDuel. I do like Pantoja at, at twelve dollars. Uh, don't mind. I mean, Menafield thirteen dollars. I think that's some nice value over there on FanDuel. I got a question for you. What is the most you're comfortable with leaving on the table, salary wise, on a week like this? I probably say no more than five hundred dollars. Five hundred was the number. I, I was thinking three to five hundred. I mean, I just I, I find it it's going to be very difficult to leave a thousand, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred table just because of you know, we have we have eight nine thousand options this week. That's what I'm saying. Like for me, 
I, I think it's between that 500 and less. I really think that's the number. I mean, yeah. if you spend all your salary every week, you're going to be holding hands with duplicated lineups. You know what I mean? So like yeah, uh, you don't want to necessarily build like that, but I, I'm okay with leaving a little bit, uh, you know, between like 100 and 500 on the table. I think that's how I'm going to set my rule. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. And if you're using something like a fancy cruncher, you know, and setting that so cruncher isn't trying to get, you know, get all 50,000. I mean, I expect that when, you know, I put my projections in and I'm sure it's going to spit me out a lot of bow nickel just because of where I see that fight going. But in a 20 max, I may be 20% bow nickel. And it's, yeah, it's so, just it's just because of the salary. Yeah, Alan, Alan says a, a great point in chat, and it's completely dependent on your contest. So, like, if you're in a three entry or uh, a single entry, like, you don't got to – it's different than if you're in a 20 max or a 150. In a 150, I'm going to get a little bit ballsy and, and leave more not being stupid with it, but like if I only have 20 lineups to work with, I'm probably going to be a little bit safer, and I'm okay with spending all of it. Yeah. Uh, of course, so if you ever have any questions, you can hop in our Discord. Totally free to join. If you want to leave a comment right here on YouTube, myself and Pete will get back to you as I'm always checking those comments. Uh, I'm going to go out tomorrow night to watch these fights. I'm interested to see kind of how the fans react to these fights in comparison to what I saw last month with the, uh, the Nunez fight, which, uh, well, no one really cared. <laughs> Mm. At least, at least the place I was at, no one really cared. Uh, everyone cared about the co-main event, Charles Oliveira, Neil Darius. So, I'm really, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I always find interesting about going out and watching fights. I, I, I know, obviously, you're in a different place in your life than I am right now. So, uh, but it, it's one of those things I enjoy going out and just kind of seeing how people interact with the fights. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I I'm not the biggest fan of going out and watching fights. Mainly because I want to hear everything, see everything, don't want to be distracted. It's just, it's cool to be out and and, and having food and drinks with friends. Um, but like, if I really like sitting. In, like, if people talk sometimes, it's like, dude, shut up. Like, I'm trying to watch this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like I'll, I'll sit like an inch from the TV. You know what I mean? Like, I want to. I'm in. I'm locked in, man. I, I'm a purist. I'm obsessed with this sport. So. Um, Sam, no, I'm not going to UFC 291. The, the ticket prices are ridiculous. Dude, I was talking to somebody last night, and and he was trying to go. I, I think he was trying to go like to the Jacksonville show or something. He's like, he goes, dude, man. He goes, I couldn't justify paying that price for the tickets. That's me, right? That is me. I got stuff going on in, in my life, and like my buddies and I, we've been saying, well, let's go, let's go, let's go. I can't spend five to $800 for the worst seat in the house. I'm just not doing it. I've seen so many fights, Jason. There's no reason for me to do that. Like, you know, like I've seen so many fights and I've been cage side so much that anything other than a great seat in the house, I feel like would be, I can't justify it. It would be a waste. Yeah, I know. I mean, and, and really, if you, the best seat in the house, which I, I think is about halfway up the first level, I mean, you're probably going to drop two grand. Oh, easy. All day long, you know? And then it's like, oh, it's in... You're gonna go. You're gonna get a hotel. You're gonna. I just can't do it, man. It's just yeah. I, I'd rather. I told my friends. I'm like all that money that we were gonna go do that. Let's just throw a banger of a party. Let's like, you know, have a house party. I'd rather do that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It is the UFC has priced out a lot of their their hardcore fan. They really have. 
and I I also said to my buddy, I said, the UFC is smoking crack for for charging that, and I don't want to I I don't want to support that. Like I'm the biggest MMA guy. I'll buy all the pay per views. Yeah. I don't like how they keep increasing the pay, uh, in, increasing the price of the pay per views. But like I cannot justify going out and paying that, and I don't want that to set the standard. Well, going un- unfortunately, well, it's not the UFC who's changing the pay per view price. That's ESPN. Yeah, it's ESPN. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things of yeah. I mean, the, the cost of being a MMA fan, like if you if you take in all the pay-per-views and you know, you've got ESPN plus and, and oh, fight man, pass. And yeah, I mean, I know someone was asking earlier, uh, being chat about PFL bets and LFA bets. I'll be flat honest. Have not even looked at the cards. I checked out the PFL one. I didn't recognize one name and I said, I'm not wasting my money. So, uh, I looked at every single matchup. I said, I have no idea who these people are. So <laughs> I am not going to go out there and tell you that I know who, who they are and I'm not wasting my time on it. I'd rather just, you know, Settle down for the UFC fights this weekend. Uh, we all know you, you've been doing your prep on Power Slap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Can you bet on that? Because I hope not. Yes, I'm you sure. can. Yeah. Oh, oh come on. and I was because I saw Dana White post something about it, but then I also when I was on Prize Picks, uh, getting some prep for the show um, earlier today, I saw that uh, Prize Picks has props for how many slaps are in each fight. I hate this. I hate this. I'm just pulling. I'm pulling up DraftKings Sportsbook. On, just, just. To, uh, I'm trying to find the. It better not be there, Jason. I'm trying to find. There, there's a a web. There's. I'm trying to find the odds. But yeah, I'm I'm just about positive. Let's see here. I'm, probably, I'm sure it's under martial arts. I'm guessing maybe MMA. Please don't. Uh, I'm I'm just about pretty convinced that I saw Dana White post something that, that there were odds up on this. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, I'm, not well, I'm sure in Vegas they do anything. So, but like as far as DraftKings, I better not be able to see that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they have odds up on this one. But yeah, pathetic. <laughs> That's the world we live in. They're, do, they're doing one power slap fight during the ceremonial weigh-ins today. I don't. I, I don't care to watch it. I just don't. I don't either. I, I get. I get. There is an audience out there for it. I totally yeah, get yeah. it. But like, if I'm tuning in to watch a weigh-in show, I'm there to watch a weigh-in show. I'm not there to watch two dudes slapping each other and who's going to get knocked out unconscious. Uh, I don't know, bro. Uh, anyways, UFC 290 should be a good one. Excited for the fights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hit us up in our Discord. Make sure you guys join the community. Uh, before you head out today, hit the like button for us. Get us over 100 likes. Each and every like is appreciated. We appreciate all of you tuning in, whether you're on the podcast platform or on YouTube. And, uh, you know, support the channel. Subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you guys so much. Good luck. Let's win some money. Of course, uh, we'll be back here next week for the fight night card that, uh, off the top of my head, I have no idea what the main event is. I know it's a fight night card. I'm pretty sure it's in the apex. I don't know either. I I, I stay on a one-week basis, bro. I don't know what's going on ever. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But that is going to do it for us. As always, we appreciate you tuning in, whether it's on YouTube or the podcast platforms. And we will talk to you next week right here on the Fight HQ Podcast.